This is episode 35 of the Higher Christian Life broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. Do you know that the same Holy Spirit we see manifested in the book of Acts is the same Holy Spirit that now currently lives in you? That's right, the very same. Have you taken the time to consider the implications of this simple truth? It means everything the Holy Spirit did for those ordinary men and women in the early church, he is able and willing to do for the church today. Let's make that personal. He is able and willing to do for you today, for you. So we should desire and expect God to move in our midst like he did in the early church and maybe even more so. Our faith should be to the point that we expect at least what he has done in the past in the book of Acts, and maybe even more. Remember Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. By the way, that's the Holy Spirit, the power that works in us in the church. So let's see what the higher Christian life is all about and ask the Lord to give us the faith we need to experience him and the fullness of who he is. Let's jump right in today, shall we? Have you ever looked at the practical aspect of experiences, higher Christian life. I mean, just asking yourself the question, could church be different? Could I be different? If I really wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit and experienced God in ways I never had before, how would that change me and the people that are around me? Let's take a look at that for just a moment today. In Matthew chapter 10, we see this amazing account of Jesus sending his disciples out without him to do the work that they saw him do when they were with him. This was almost a picture of what life would be like after Jesus was resurrected, ascended into heaven, when he was physically removed from their presence and the Holy Spirit was given to them to abide with them forever. Remember what it says in John 14. Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. We looked at this. This word is alos. It's another of the same kind, someone just like Jesus. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you, live with you, dwell with you forever defined as the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you currently and will be in you future. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And Jesus does that in the person of the Holy Spirit. So here in Matthew chapter 10, We've got Jesus getting ready to send his disciples out to do pretty much the work that he was doing when he was with them, and he infuses in them the power to do what he is doing, which is the power of the Holy Spirit that comes in total fruition in Acts chapter 2 to the church. 
this was their first mission trip. This was their first apprentice job. This was their first solo flight. And he didn't send them out unprepared. He literally gave them the same power that they would later receive in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room. It's the same power you have and I have as believers in Christ right now. It was a taste of what church life should be like. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. This was the power he gave them to do what he was doing when he wasn't physically with them. And so when he sent them out, Jesus also gave them strict instructions to minister while away from him in the power that he had, they had just received, not in their own power, but in the power of the Spirit. For there was no way they could do what Jesus asked them to do in their own strength. No one can. He commanded them to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, much like the early church did in the book of Acts after they received the Holy Spirit. Here's the instructions he gave in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. He says, And as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely given. Listen very carefully. What Jesus was saying was they should expect their time away from him to be filled with this miraculous display of raw spiritual power and the moving of the Spirit, just like it was when they were with Jesus. And this is exactly what we see in the early church after they received the Holy Spirit. It, the early church moved in phenomenal ways, ways that we long for it to move today and have come to believe that it can't. But that's not true. The early church obviously took Jesus seriously on the promise that he said that once he returned to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit, and his followers, because the Holy Spirit was with them, would do greater works than what they had seen Jesus do. Look at John 14, 12. That's what it clearly states. But is that really possible? I mean, could Jesus have been exaggerating? I mean, when ordinary people encounter the Holy Spirit and surrender their lives totally to Him, I mean, what does that look like? We don't see that in church today, which is one reason why God decided to include the book of Acts in our Bible, because here we see how ordinary people are changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and do extraordinary things because God is with them. Let's take a quick look at, at the book of Acts, and let's just start with Acts chapter 2. Here's a summary of what happens. After the Holy Spirit falls on the church, Peter stands up in the midst of these strangers and preaches a short, unprepared sermon. Count the words, 297 words long when you exclude the Old Testament scripture, and 3,000 people get saved. You could preach this message in six minutes. 
3,000 people get saved. And then the infant church, which is now made up of 120 friends and 3,000 strangers, single-mindedly devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and of prayers. We find that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and following. You should read those passages. It's an amazing picture of what God does in a church or to a group of people when he's in control. It states everyone was in a state of awe and, quote, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. Peter stands up and preaches this very short, concise, cliff notes kind of sermon. 3,000 people get saved and baptized. We now have this massive gathering of people together. Everyone's in a state of awe. There's no racial differences or social economic put-downs. There's nothing. And now signs and wonders and miracles are being performed by the apostles. Needs are getting met. It's a phenomenal situation unlike anything we've ever seen in our lives. Amazingly, the young church, quote, had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Acts 2, 44 through 45. Let that one sink in, living in America. All the needs of the church were met by all the people who sold all their possessions and goods. They sold everything they owned, and not only that, they sold their inventory in their store. They liquidated their assets and gave it to people they just met. Strangers. Why? Because they had encountered something greater than themselves, and they trusted the Holy Spirit to meet their needs. They were living out Matthew 6.33, that they were to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that God would take care of every one of their needs. And what was their time like during the week? Unlike us, there was no Sunday morning worship service or Wednesday night prayer meeting, and then we kind of move on our merry way. They didn't go to church. They were the church, and these were not just words to them. The Spirit of God lived in them, and they were now temples of the Holy Spirit that we talked about yesterday. Everything in their life had changed. And what did that look like in real life? We see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. It says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. You should read that passage again and note the key words. Continuing daily, one accord, house to house. This church was nothing like many of us have ever experienced in our life. They were committed to the Lord and committed to each other in ways we don't fully understand. And they were like all in and held nothing back. And quite honestly for us, in our Western, selfish, independent, I can take care of myself and I want to be in total control kind of mindset, this kind of devotion to anything seems intimidating and quite honestly, frightening. But what happened? How did the Lord respond to their total reliance on him? Last phrase in Acts chapter 2. 
It said, and the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. Daily. Every single day. I mean, how long has it been since we've seen anybody saved in our worship times together? Exactly. What would it be like to have daily people coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our hours of our day just totally tied up with discipling new believers? This is what the church was like in the very beginning. This is what ordinary people were like when they were infused with the Holy Spirit, like you and I have been infused with the Holy Spirit when we got saved, who lives in us now. It's okay to dream. This is what is possible. So let me ask you a question in closing. What would you give to live in a church like the one revealed in the book of Acts? Do you realize what we've just read is possible? In fact, it's even expected of those today who have the same Holy Spirit living in us as they did. I mean, God's not playing favorites. He doesn't show partiality. And remember, the authority Jesus gave his disciples in Matthew chapter 1, the power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kind of sickness and all kind of diseases is the same authority we have in him right now by virtue of the fact that the same Holy Spirit is living in us. We have everything we need to experience the higher Christian life as portrayed in the Gospels right now in him. There's no power greater than God, and there is nothing that can thwart his will, and there is nothing this world can offer you or I which is better than what we already have in him. Just think on this for a second. Look what the Holy Spirit says about you. And this is from Romans 8, 16 to 17. The Spirit the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, it gets better now, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if or since or because we indeed suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Whatever the world has, you already have this. You have something far greater than anything that these toys and trinkets that we waste our life on can offer us. Plus, you have God himself living within you, this source of eternal power and strength to do for you at least what he's done for others in Scripture, and maybe more. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power, the dudamas, explosive, miracle-working power that lives in you. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. So be encouraged today. The early church has shown us what the higher Christian life looks like, and I love it. The Holy Spirit now indwells us to empower us to live that higher Christian life. And the higher Christian life that may seem so far away at times can really be just as close as reading the book of Acts. So let your faith tell you this life is possible, even expected, and can be yours when you let go and let God be God. Think about this and be encouraged in this today. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Until then.